Hi guys, welcome back to List Pod, uh, life and sports podcast with your co-host Bo and Two. Today we have somehow managed to bag a professional rugby player who's also does a lot of charity work within sports, Fiona Cooper. <laughs> Fiona Cooper is not only a rugby player but also an e- well. To be fair, you're always going to be a TED Talksman for a TED spokesman. That did five years ago, did... Five years, let's just be clear. <laughs> in 2018, August, was posted onto YouTube. She did a nice little program, 16 minutes long, for basically equality within sports, where she went through... Do you know what, I'll let you take this one. What what was th- what was it about? Or can you not remember? Starting deep. Yeah. Um, okay, it was definitely... It was at uni. So it was like a, you had to do like a competition. My friend entered me um, to do it. So, um, the but the talk was on like the perception of women in sport. Um, so I definitely started it by asking everyone to close their eyes and just like picture like a really successful athlete and like imagine them from like top to toe. And then I asked everybody like how many people in the room pictured a woman and nobody did so I think it was just like trying to challenge some of those perceptions also talked a bit about like over sexualization of female athletes um some stuff like that um but yeah it was qu- it was fun because it's like you gotta do it in 16 minutes and then also some of my experiences at uni um and playing rugby like and some of those things so yeah around that sort of vibe but it was it was a while ago and it was also mm. the first time i had done it so now i watch it back i'm a bit cringe because i was quite nervous <laughs> let me let me s- let me switch flip this on you then close your eyes well you don't have to close your <laughs> eyes but your ideal athlete yeah. um yeah i'll give you 10 seconds to think it through okay now yeah what am i what wait what so am I he'll give you 10 seconds think of an ideal athlete okay. regardless of gender regardless what of would anything. what would your ideal athlete be just because you said you've done that, I want to see your okay. perception of it. Um, I'll, I, the only people I think about are just like very good rugby players. Mm, that's so a start. Yeah. Teresa Fitzpatrick is probably my favourite. Okay. So yeah. She is I'd definitely... Claudia McDonald. Yeah. yeah. Great winger. Abby Dow. Yeah. She's amazing. I just, I just call a lot of good wingers. Eh? <laughs> 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 what a surprise. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I think an athlete Ali is hard to picture. There's also one there. Yeah. Fiona also Cooper. Great flanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so that's why I'd probably just pick... I just would picture them now. Mm. Uh, well, in her exact words for that interview, uh, she asked everyone to close their eyes, think of a man, and then think of a af- think of a man who plays rugby. And then she said the perception of a man didn't change that much. Then she went on to, now think of a woman, and now think about if she played rugby. And the perception of a woman had to change a bit more because as rugby's a more masculine sport... Uh, and you said it in your, you said it there in the TED talk that it's harder to visualize a woman playing rugby. That has to be, she has to be more like masculine, has to be like more, bit more muscular and everything, mm-hmm. has to be a bit more built. Whilst a man, a random lad just off the street can go and play rugby. Mm-hmm. Which, eh, Same. I mean, at the end of the day, like rugby's a sport for all bodies and builds. And, you know, like if, if there's a, if there's a, a girl who's 12 years old who's like very petite and she then gets the idea that she has to be like this overly masculine woman in her 20s to play rugby that kind of kills off her like a- an ambition or a dream to playing rugby in the future mm-hmm. in my opinion 
what's for a boy it's like oh i want to be big i want to be muscular i want to be mm. strong i do think things have changed though i think there's like more in society it's like more positive to be quite fit now 100%. whereas that for women as well like cause i don't know i mean for men too i think but i think when i did the talk there wasn't really that like fit girl i mean i was, mm. I was five years a lot's changed in five years yeah and mm. i really think like even some of the perceptions of like muscles on women has also changed like now it's like a lot more of like a positive thing it's just obviously some of the muscles are like there's specific muscles that people will be like oh yeah that's attractive and then others that won't and so i think i think things have already changed which is really cool mm. um but obviously some things you know still haven't um and so i still think it's interesting now because I, I don't play at like a community level anymore and so i think the perceptions or i don't come across people who have like strange perceptions of rugby because everyone who i'm or as many strange perceptions because everyone who i'm playing with or who work at the clubs that i'm playing at recognize the women who play as athletes rather than like a strange group of people who they don't yeah. really understand or don't value so I, th I do think it's changed but also my own experiences have changed as i've also progressed so Shall we run it back a little bit then and just tell us a bit about you, where you grew up, stuff like that? Sure. Um, if you need any help, I've got the research paper right here. I could help you out on your own little journey. God. Well, let's, let's, yeah, let's take um, it from the top. Okay. I grew up in rural Fife in Scotland. Okay. Um, That's how you pronounce it, Fife. Yeah. Oh, Powell Fife. Oh. So, I, I yeah. can pronounce a random word in Serbian, but Fife, that, that was, I was like, Fife? Fair? Yeah, which is the county um, north of Edinburgh, so between Edinburgh and Dundee okay. uh, in Scotland. Um, so for people here, it's like very north. In Scotland, it's like Midlands. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I grew up rural, like in a little small holding, some animals running around, um, very chill. Um, and then I moved to a small village called Fruki which is a very small village of like 2,000, but for me that was like a big deal because it was like... Can you, for our um, audio listeners, please spell... Yeah, Fruki. Uh, F-R-E-U-C-H-I-E. Isn't that fruity? No, it's not. No. What, fruity? <laughs> mm. Nah, that, fair yeah. enough. That was like... Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like correcting you. I was like, that's how <laughs> I would perceive it if yeah. I saw it. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, I, whenever I read words, I always read it as it is. That's what they say in Serbian. So whenever mm. like I go up north, either to like Scotland or to like anywhere, oh god, it's so, it's just mm. a, like the lettering's there. I'm like, am I dyslexic or I, just, I can't do this one right you need now? The yeah, <laughs> yeah, fruky. Okay. Yeah, like you're trying to get some phlegm out the back. Yeah, of exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's never good with languages. <laughs> fruky. Yeah, but maybe like maybe like chill out a bit with it. Fruky. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll, we'll get, get by there. the end of this podcast. He'll be able to pronounce it, I won't. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, moved to there. But that was quite exciting because I had a bus route, so that was a big step for me. Um, yeah, before Branching that. Out. Yeah, madness. Madness getting big a bus. Big city girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just a small town girl. Yeah, literally. Um, and then, yeah, I went to high school. Um, in terms of sport, I'd done, like, every sport at primary school. So I remember... Like, even one time there was, like, a football camp, and it was just me and my brother that had signed up for it. So me and my brother got one-on-one -on -one football coaching at my primary school for a nice. week. Um, mostly it's because my parents probably just wanted, like, free childcare. I was going <laughs> to say, your parents must have been loving it. It's like, wait, they're not going to get into fights with any other kids, and they can just play footy yeah. to their heart's content. My primary school was really small. There's only, like, 35 of us. In so the whole school? Yeah, the whole school. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, I grew up, when I say rural, like, rural. <laughs> um, so there's only, like, five people in my year, including myself, all girls. Mm. 
And so we would do like, we did like a netball competition. It's like teams of five, but like it was just my year. Um, so you just got involved in every sport because. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. in, a, in a way, no like, choice. in a way, like the the inclusivity, despite it being a smaller, a smaller, oh, I don't know the word, but a smaller group, sort of made things a lot more inclusive and gave you a lot more opportunity to try different things. Yeah, I think you kind of just had to. Um, and like everyone was quite sporty, I would say in the primary okay. school. So yeah, it was quite fun. Um, so and then I went to like a massive high school, and that was quite shocking. What was that transition like for you? It was horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was so horrendous? Was it the amount of people? Was it the location? Yeah. How to describe it? So I went to like, it was me. There was like four other girls in my year. It okay. was very chill. We were still playing like, like I didn't have a phone. It was like very. Like, we were still playing, like, make-believe games and, like, primary seven sort of mm. stuff like that. Like I was very you? much like a kid, <laughs> right? Then aren't you 27? Yeah. <laughs> so she went to secondary school at the same time as we went to secondary school. No phones, nothing. No, about primary school, there were, I oh. had no phones. And then I went to high school, and then it was like, oh, now I meet, like, the city kids. They weren't city kids, but they'd been to the towns. Yeah. And so they were, like, a lot yeah, no, older, I so to speak. So I think I was just, like, very much still a kid. Mm. And then I went, and I was like... Oh my god! Like people like boys and like phones and all that sort of stuff, and I just had not prepared mm. for that whatsoever. Oh, I can relate to that. My Serbian parents, they everyone had like a BlackBerry, like around thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Mm. So so a BlackBerry is a phone. That's like. No. I <laughs> <laughs> so everyone had a BlackBerry, and everyone had used like BlackBerry Messenger. Uh, the mm. biggest, well, the biggest thing, like secondary school, and I was so late to it. Because I got a BlackBerry around like, when I was like 16, 17. And by the time I had a BlackBerry, everyone was on iPhones. And my mm. first phone ever was a phone from Toys R Us. Was what? it real? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those like, <laughs> it only has six numbers on it. Because like teaching you how to go up and down the numbers. No, actually like a 35 pound phone from uh, from Toys R Us was on Vodafone. Mm. And within the first evening, because it didn't have Wi-Fi. It was like 1.25 text or something oh no 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 that's even worse i used up all my 10 pounds of like <laughs> 10 pounds of credit within like yeah. 25 minutes because i was trying to figure out how to connect to the wi-fi oh, using my no. phone and i was like i was like wait a minute i can't like mom's like call me i was like can't why don't have credit mm. she's like did you just i was like i don't know yeah, I oh. had like my mum's old my mum's old Nokia. Oh, they're the best ones. The, but it did have Snake on it. Dun best dun best dun ones. Dun dun. No, yeah. that's Asda. Oh, well, <laughs> the, the ringtone. Hey man, oh. don't, don't get us copy. get us banned, man. No. So how did you? How was it fitting in from your early upbringing in the small rural section to something a lot bigger? Yeah, I mean it wasn't great. I definitely got like the full high school experience. Um, you know, like bullied and like mm. all that sort of stuff. It was just, it was pretty rough, but I think, you know, eventually like found my friends and, yeah. you know, some art nerds and like some of the, the weirder people who I could like chill out with a bit more. Yeah. Who yeah, weren't, yeah. Um, who didn't care as much about phones and stuff like that. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Came so to the right place. Yeah. Came to the right place. <laughs> so I definitely was like one of those girls who would go and sit in the art room at lunchtime and like do more art. Um, oh, nice. Or if there was like sports clubs, I would go and do that. So I was, sh I was just like an extracurricular. That's a nice. That's a nice, that's a nice mix. Though <laughs> you got the sporty side, you got the artistic yeah. side, the creative side. Yeah. Did this this is gonna sound silly, but did, did those things ever like overlap in any kind of way? Those passions, or were they very separate? I things? think I always just did everything. Yeah. So I always did like, like I did some strange acting things as well. We were like, 
I actually found that on YouTube as well. Oh but my no, god! No, <laughs> no, I didn't find that on YouTube. <laughs> I was like, "What did you find?" I uh, dug deep. <laughs> yeah, there's some like, but there was some really cool stuff we did as well. We actually like one of them at school. We went to train the children's panels. You know, children's panels. Yes. So they like get mm. kids support and when so they provide them like legal support. Or if there's like a family breakup and the kids are like stuck in the middle, the children might go to the children's panel and the children panel make a decision. And so we, we did some training where we pretended to be like some of the kids and we ran a workshop with them. And so we were acting as those kids. So stuff like that, I think is like super cool. Awesome. Um, so there was like some strange experiences, but yeah, there was loads of mixed bag. I just basically, if anyone was like, oh, do you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Imagine like, hey, do you want to set fire to a house? Like, nah, you know, I've got extra stuff to do at school. It's okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. Talking about, so rural to city, then... Well, it wasn't really city. It was literally Pansy. like a town of like 20,000 people. But that's for me, that was like big. Mm. <laughs> for some people in London, that's like horrendously small. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I went from like not, like genuinely not a single neighbor to then a village of 2,000. Fruki is 2,000 people. And then my high school town... Like genuinely has like one supermarket, but that's what supermarket was it? It was Tesco's. Oh, yeah. was that back in the day when it was three pounds for a meal deal? Don't know, but they did have a good techie brekkie. Oh, <laughs> oh on the hang when you were like seventeen, like mm. techie brekkie. Don't know, don't know what that means. I, w- I didn't drink. I didn't start drinking since I was eighteen. I'm a good egg, <laughs> not like you, rural girls. Yeah, wild, <laughs> wild. Well, what, what else is there to do? So here we have the story. You came from a small, small village mm-hmm. into a small town. Yeah. And 16 rolls around and you get a taster session for rugby. Yes, kind of, yeah. Okay. At your local club of H-O-W-E yeah. of... go for it. No. <laughs> can, I, can I see how it's written and I'll go for it? Uh, uh, yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's right there under the... Wait, there we go. Five. But how do you say the whole thing? How of thief. How of five? Yeah, that's exactly it. Easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was actually, I played badminton really competitively. Okay. Bit rogue. Bit rogue, don't yeah, worry. But like quite competitively. So w- I was in like the Fife Badminton Club and like trained quite a lot. And then I also was on the hockey team and everything. And then my, there was this group of girls who kept trying to get me to come along to rugby. And I was like, no, it's not cool. Like, mm. I want to wear my squirts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play rugby. Um, and then my PE teacher also kept saying, like, Fiona, I actually think you'd be quite good. Because I was a girl on the hockey team. I had, like, a spiky mouth guard. Because I was like, come at me. Like, let's go. Whereas a lot of the other girls were, like, didn't want to hit it too hard or whatever. So I was a bit, I was already, I think she could tell I was a bit aggressive. Fiona, you're um, playing the wrong sport. You're playing <laughs> rugby. Yeah. But it's so much harder to hit people in <laughs> rugby. Let me do it in hockey. Yeah. So I would play, like, center midfield or center defense with this like spiky gum shield and people would run at me and mm. i would just be like let's go and so i think she recognized that i had something that you know maybe i had a bit of aggression that i would need mm. to get out um and i like badminton because you can like smash it as mm. well smash the cock as hard as possible yeah literally um so <laughs> it was very fun and then they yeah eventually i just went along for a taste session i was like oh i'll just do it to keep fit for badminton Never happens. Yeah, and then I hit somebody. And, like we did contact session. I was like, "This is the best thing I've ever done in my life." Mm. <laughs> and then I have not looked through it back. Really, it was just the contact was just the one. Was it when you hit 
made that first hit, that's when you were, that's, that's yeah, all for you. that was it. Sold. It's so good. Like, and I honestly do think there's not many spaces, particularly for girls to like be aggressive and mm. it be okay. And so because contact sport is not particularly th- like a major thing that girls will do. Yeah. It was like the first sure. time I'd done it where, and it could probably could have been anything. I'm sure if I'd done like judo or something like that, but I did, I really like rugby because there is also a ball. And it's like more engaging. Like yeah. it's like a team sport, whereas on, I mean, a lot ju- of the other contact not, sports aren't. Judo's not that bad. I think I could have enjoyed it, but I think because it's not, a, it's not really a game. Like the purpose is to fight. It's a one on one. Yeah. Whereas the rugby, like it is still a game, but you get a fight on the side. Yeah. <laughs> and what, I enjoyed that. What she means is it's controlled anger, yeah. smashing someone. But the purpose is not to smash. The purpose yeah. is to win the game. And the smashing smashing's is the on tools. the side. Yeah. If I have to smash someone to win this game, I will smash someone to win this Whereas game. Whereas in judo, it is just about like physical dominance, but I yeah. enjoy that rugby has more. Yeah, my mum would, my mum would disagree on that. Yeah, e- extra though, because she'd be like, "No, it's more, it's all tactical." Like, mum, literally, you throw, you throw people around, like, like it's no one's business. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I like, mm, I think yeah. judo is amazing, and I think a lot of the contact sports are incredible. But I just enjoy that it's also, yeah. There is like it's like yeah. a ball game as well, yeah, but true. then you get to do some fighting. There's yeah. also if something bad happens, you have to blame other people on it. It's great. That is the easy way out. Yeah, yeah that's just be a, good just one be a too. scrum half. It's all yeah, right. exactly. So you see how you like briefly said, "Oh, like I don't want to play rugby. I want to still wear my sports and stuff like yeah. that." Yeah. When did that sort of bit of perception start to change when you started playing? Um, I think it's just a classic like sixteen-year-old high school girl mm. thing. You just want to fit yeah. in, right? Like. Everyone's wanting to be in the hockey team for the sports. Yeah. Like, I thought, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to be that person. Yeah. Um, and then I think as I then got a bit older, so 17, 18, then went to uni, I just kind of realized that didn't really, like, you don't need to do that yeah. to fit in. Like, why, why not do stuff that you really love just so mm. that you look a certain way? Um, and also, to be honest, like, that was the first time... I'd ever played a sport where actually being bigger and being stronger was a positive. And so yeah. for a 16 year old, particularly a girl who's like dealing with so many body issues, mm. I was like, wow, that's what wow, people are, comp- people might be complimenting me on the fact I'm like able to crush someone yeah. rather than people like, rather than me being self-conscious all the time about, oh, I'm too big or, oh, I have to get the biggest size and all the other girls on the team are wearing smaller sizes, all that sort of stuff. So that's it did really, it was quite a powerful That's really moment, interesting. Think, yeah. That's a reason why you didn't like swimming. Am I correct? Oh, I don't know. And in in the uh, because what was it in the thing you said five years ago? Because, like you said, yeah. when you're a, when you're a young girl, you want to fit in, and if you're a bigger girl, you're like, oh, I want to wear like the cute stuff everyone wears. And you said in the TEDx talk. So I really bring that up a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a main like there's there's literally trying to find <laughs> stats on women's rugby. There's only. Two things. It's the Ealing Trial Finders uh, little introduction to Fiona Cooper joining this season. And it's also your TEDx talk. Mm. And everything else is kind of a hit and a miss Mm. because there's several different websites. So Alternate Rugby, which a lot of people go on. There's also uh, like Rugby Rugby XV, everything like that. They have all the stats for like men's and everything. That's that's all class. Mm. That's cool. But you try and find information on Fiona Cooper anywhere. And what I found out is that Fiona Cooper was actually born in 1970, uh, on the 1st of January. 
says she's one meter seventy five and plays as an outside centre. That's not far off though, because I am one seven four, so close. Alright, if you're not <laughs> if you're not if you're not above six foot, you're below it. It's fine. <laughs> but no, it's uh. Don't you think that even with the advancements in in women's rugby, it becoming now you're able to watch it more freely, more readily, and everything like that. And even little girls as young as like five or s- four, five, and six are starting to play it. What What's your opinion on the fact that you still can't find a good stream of information like or any statistics? Because honestly, if I didn't have that article from any trial finders, I would have to be like, she might have played a handful of games last season. I don't know. Yeah. It would have been horrible. I would I would have come to this information like, so you play rugby, yeah? That's it. That's where the information would have stopped without mm. using trial finders. Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of a bigger problem. I don't think, well, a fun fact for you, 4% Ooh. of sports journalists are women. 4%? 4%. That was the last time I checked, so maybe that's changed, but there's a very disproportionate amount of men in sports marketing and media. Mm. Um, <laughs> running a podcast, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so there's like a lot of men that talk about sport and they often talk about men's sport and so mm. the actual interest in terms of gathering information and recording it is probably quite small from their perceptions and like yeah maybe they're just not aware um, I guess it's not really it's interesting because it, you're obviously like from the outside of women's of course. rugby so you're not yeah. like in it whereas when you're in it there's like a lot of people will know a lot of information about a lot of players and so I think that's, I guess, my question maybe back to you is, like, how much would you really be looking up female rugby player stats unless you know you're going to have a conversation with me? Or is it something that you would look up for men? I look it up because I actually do enjoy it. Because mm. this is one thing. I was going to get into coaching a bit ago, and I was told you should, if you want to get into coaching, a good place to start would be to coach youngers but also it wouldn't be a bad idea if you went and went to go watch how to coach women's rugby too because the skill level's there even though sometimes like he's as i was told the skill level's there the speed's a bit like 10 percent slower than men's rugby he didn't want to undermine it but like watching women's coaching women's and coaching men's men's have more like a of a complex where they want to be like cool you can coach me but i know what i'm doing Mm. where with women's because obviously it's a bit there's less of a like hit to like do women's rugby if uh, someone wants to coach women's rugby they'll be kind of like more more up for like oh the coach is there they want to give me a hand Mm. that's kind that's nice you know because we have one of our ex-players who's coaching women's off at wasps here and you know it's always it's always nice when it's not just the men's getting that that extra extra portion on the side of like having a good coach. But it's also the women's as well. I actually really hate that because <laughs> I hate that like women's rugby is seen as an avenue to get experience for men's rugby coaching. It like immediately that puts it like as a secondary mm. value. I think that women's I think coaching women and I have coached women is actually very complex and like quite different to coaching men. And I don't I think I find it so frustrating when people are like like, so often you'll see that even at the national level, coaches will go coach the women's team so they can then get a job in, like, the men's academy. Yeah. And I think that's rubbish. Like, w- it's a different it's a different thing. Like, mm. yeah, I agree that they're potentially the game's, like, slightly slower. I also think the 
some of the skill level for some of the players may not be there. But sometimes the progression rate, so like you might start a year with a women's team, half of the team don't know what they're doing, and by the end of it, they're playing at a really good level. The actual skill you need to coach players through that broad range is much higher than you do for the men's game. Of course. Mm. And I, don't, I, I think, I understand it happens a lot. Like people will say like, oh, how do you want to get into coaching? People, oh yeah, coach kids and then coach women. I just hate that. Like that's such a rubbish mentality because it's like, well, so that means you're going to get experience from the women. You're going to take what you want from the women and then you're going to go, all right, now I'm a good coach. See you later. And so what also happens in the women's game is you get a lot of coaches who aren't actually that great or they aren't invested in like women's rugby. Yeah. And so you get, um, I mean, at certain, some places you get amazing coaches, but sometimes at community levels, you can have coaches who don't really care. And mm. that's so detrimental to the longevity of the game and the improvement for the players. And so I find that like, I can, I understand why it happens, but I think it's like fundamentally like a bit of a sexist view of um, women's players. Yeah, it, ki- it kind of is. This is. That's why I didn't go into coaching because I was like, I looked at it, I was like, I was like, cool, fair enough. Uh, I'll take, I'll take that, I'll take that in stride. Never went to coaching after that. I love coaching. Go into go into coaching, but if you want to go into women's coaching, go into it because you believe in women's rugby mm. and you believe in the female athletes. Don't do it just as like a pathway. So I, I, I completely agree. There are I've met some incredible male coaches who've coached women's teams, and some of my favorite coaches in my time have been men, and they have been amazing because they really care about the women's game and they want to just coach women because they've found that that is like something that they are particularly good at because they can engage with the women mm. and they really get it. And also they really enjoy the challenge of that like broad skill range that you sometimes get a bit more of in the women's game. Not, I've never met a good women's coach who uses it as an avenue to go into the men's game. They always mm. like don't really care and don't really invest. Mm. And I always am like, I'm not interested. So like, if I was to ask you what kind of changes would you make to sort of bridge that gap of like getting into coaching, like in an ideal world mm. and if, if, you, if you were in charge and you could, in charge of what? In charge of everything. Like in charge of everything. In charge of like. If you had the credit card that had the infinite side on it, and you could literally, you know, what's your ideal situation where you could? It's it's hard to to do this one because it's, it's yeah, hard yeah. to like. If you had every available resource in your, in like arm's length, how would you change? The approach into getting into coaching. I would pay female coaches the same amount, if not more, than male coaches to get the best talent. Okay. Same with the players. Yeah. <laughs> if you pay, if you pay coaches, coaches at the end of the day will it's their job. They're mm. gonna go for the best money for their work. They're gonna probably go to places where they can get paid. In the women's game, the amount of pay compared to the men's game is shockingly low yeah. across the board. But p- people don't think about it for coaches. Yeah. Like, of course, you're not going to get amazing coaches. There's a lot of teams, even in Scotland, like some of the premiership coaches in mm. Scotland aren't completely voluntary. On the men's side, that's their full-time job. Yeah. Of course, if you're a good coach, you're going to want to get, you're going to want to do it for your job if you want to do that. And so mm. the amount, like, that means everybody, that means your coach is also working a full-time job and yeah. coaching. It's never going to be the same quality or it's going to be like an extra stress or there's going to be a higher turnover of coaches or you're not going to have a full team of them. There's like all those things. So if I had the money, I would definitely pay for more female coach positions and I would pay them well. And I'd pay them, I'd pay for enough coaches to support them in the right way. And how do you feel about this pay disparity with the pay for women's and men's coaches and and to that extent, women's and men's players as well? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I honestly get a bit tired of like mm. being asked it because people oh, ask me a fair, lot. Fair, I will, I, I, I get it. I know it's like interesting, but I think so. There's, there's different levels of it. Yeah. 
so I think I listened to your I decided onto my research. So listen to one of your podcasts so about how you're playing like level six and you got like pocket money. Yeah. And like I'm curious about what the commitment levels are in terms of the game because I also I play in the Prem, was in the Scotland squad for a bit, on the edge of it, and I also only get pocket money. And so that's where I'm like, mm. is that right? So that's like there's a there's a whole bigger question. The fundamental principle that I hate is it is illegal in this country to pay people differently based on gender and i can guarantee you if you actually looked at the contracts for male players and female players the job to do is the same now if you were to mm. create a contract where you said ma male players have to bring about in amount x amount of revenue in order to deserve x amount of pay i could understand it but the problem is they don't put that in the contract because you can't monitor like, you can't measure that it's impossible so that yeah. means in sport across the board men and women have the same contract and are paid different things only on the basis of gender. And I fundamentally, as like a human principle, mm. think that nobody should be paid differently for the same job based on one of their identifying characteristics. So like that level, mm. now I would love it if we could say, you know, you're gonna be paid based on how much revenue you bring them to the club. But they, don't, they can't do that because they can't measure it. And also, I will really be curious what would happen if they gave women that freedom to say, you'll be paid depending on how much sponsorship you can bring in. You know, I think it would be interesting to see how that would happen because the reality is all the men will just turn up and just get their do their job, the same as the female athletes. Of course. How is it right that you have contracts that are the same? Whereas yeah. in any other in any other sector, like if I'm at like my regular job, my day job, and I was doing exactly the same job as someone else, same contract, and they were getting paid, I don't know, forty times, fifty times as much as me. I don't know. Mm. I think I would take them to court, right? Hundred percent. <laughs> no, I agree. Funnily enough, I feel like women rugby players work harder than male rugby players. Even though you can you can state the obvious like, oh, but men are stronger and hit harder. But that's, they have a full-time job just playing rugby. Mm. They don't have to go training and then be like, okay, cool. I'm making X amount and I need Y amount. And there's a massive like gap in that, that like pay. How may they get through it? Mm -hmm. like, like a lot of like women rugby, female rugby players have their have their professional contract, then also have a, a job on the side like yourself. Well, so I so I'm probably not even in that bracket. So there's definitely players who have their professional contracts who would be full time professional contracts. I'm very much like I have a full time job and play. I see it as like rugby on the side almost mm. um, because it's in terms of the way it would be balanced. Whereas there's plenty of people on my team who might like fill the gap with work. Yep. Whereas I would not be able to afford to do that because I'm not at the level, I don't have a national contract. So you really only can do that if you have a national team contract. So yeah, Ellie Kildon mentioned that in a recent interview with yeah. England players that there's like three brackets. So instead of players getting the pay from the club, cut me off anytime I'm incorrect. So the players, don't get paid directly from the club they get more paid directly from national like yeah. the national team and then there's like the brackets of like the high and the lower tier and even then a higher tier women's rugby player would get about 35 grand for the year mm. whilst then if you're looking first 35 grand for the year to play rugby right that's not including sponsorships and stuff like that then a recent one was new Australian Rugby League, I think it was $20,000 for a game. Damn. And you're like, you've done the exact same thing. Mm. 
you put your body on the line a bit more for the women's because that 35k is for their year whilst mm. for the australian rugby league team that's for one game mm. what like if we can do the conversion rate that's 10 grand a game in pounds how is it fair that they're getting that much and women are getting this much and then you go through the, what you said before the whole like argument of like oh mm. revenue this revenue that which they're like I genuinely I would love I would love it if they could mm. make it you could get your salary based on how much you as an individual athlete bring in revenue for the club because there is absolutely no way that you I think you can track that no there is no way Finn Russell knows exactly how much money he's bringing in for racing racing whatever we call it racing 92 mm. that one he how, how on earth could he measure that so when people give me the argument of like revenue I'm like so you think it's just the athlete do you think it's my responsibility to bring in revenue as an athlete or is it the club's responsibility to also promote? Because even things like sponsorship, like how do you even get access to sponsorship? I don't, a lot of women, I don't even know that question. Like, mm. I don't even know how you, I don't even know, I don't have family in business or like you know, my mate's dad or whatever runs a business. I don't have any of those connections. Like that's just not a world that I have grown up in. And so I think as well, it's like a, it's part of like a bigger, a bigger issue. And I think, I think the women's game is going in the right direction. I think the national mm. contracts are fantastic. I think there is a significant gap between the people who are just sit outside of those national squads, who like myself, who are, you know, potentially there's like, you know, you're going to have a squad of like 30 to 45. But what if there's then the, the additional like up to 60 people who might be within those realms, yep. who might be playing and have to play at the same level in order to get selected, but probably never going to get a contract. And then at the clubs, they're not going to get paid that much. You know, you're going to get change, really. Which, again, is better. And it's the first time I've ever had been paid, which is incredible. But I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining at all. That I just don't think it's right that it's such a struggle. Like, I would love it if I could work four days instead of five days a week. And I could just have a couple afternoons on a training afternoon off. So I could go to training early to get skills instead of having to get up extra early when I get back at 10 p.m. And then going to work at you know 8 39 and then you know so it's like it's that sort of stuff where it's like you just need time like time is just so precious mm. and like for a lot of a lot of the girls they will be able to do that but also then how are you saving how are you planning for your future how do you like manage finances how do you invest pensions like it's, i just think it's a much bigger mm. issue like yeah maybe you could survive on 30k a year in london maybe you could <laughs> it would be tough though you and you also mm. how would you then save so when you finish your rugby career, you're not connected to the old boys network, so you can't start a whiskey business like some of the national team players do. What do you, how do you make money after that? Mm. So this leads me nicely <laughs> to something I wanted to ask you from the start. So sure. it's like, what kind of strategies or routines do you have to balance your work life, your, yeah. your rugby and your personal life? Mm. If any, how, how do you go about that? Um, I'm a big meal prepper. Okay. So I definitely prepare a lot. <laughs> I do have a I do have a meal prep page. Um, it's not it's not a big deal, so please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's just in the bio. It's fine. It's, it's <laughs> open to the public and all that jazz. It's all yeah. good. It's like I re I really enjoy it, so I enjoy meal prepping. So like I'll cook every Sunday, okay. and then I'll yeah I'll make my lunches and breakfast for the full week. Um, so then. It means I can like eat well, yeah. While also still training, because otherwise I don't want to just like get a sandwich or something for lunch. Yeah, I yeah, want to yeah, eat yeah. proper food. Of course. Um, and then yeah, it's just got to be well organized, mm. I guess. Um, so how how do you stay organized? 
Um, I do think it's something that I've done for a long time now, so it's kind of hard for me to give you okay, no, no, like tips, but or like what I don't know, what don't know what my techniques would be, but I very much like everything is planned for the week. Okay, probably like every hour. Um, every hour. Oh god. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Like today, you know, I was like saying, could we do a different time? Yeah. So that this morning I actually went to get a tattoo and then I went to the supermarket. Then you got a tattoo? Yeah. <laughs> and then I dropped my stuff at home and then I was like, okay, that means I can come here. Then I'll go home and then I'll meal prep and then go. So like I already was like planning that. Okay. It's not just like. Yeah, it's not something you just do. It's something that's, that's been so long yeah. now. You're, you're accustomed to it. Yeah, exactly. I, and I do mm. think you have to like plan in sometimes just to be a bit spontaneous. Yeah. But I, I still like plan in. I'll be like, oh, I have like a Friday evening. I'll just like leave it and see what happens. <laughs> but I still will block out, you know, that kind of time. So that's, bit, that's probably it. Is, it. is there a, I wouldn't say difficulty, but w- when something sort of shakes everything up that yeah. you plan, how, how do you take that? Is that yeah, something you're... Yeah, yeah, I hate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like everything's like finely balanced. Yeah. So if something would be... Like, let's say at work, suddenly we have a, like, so let's say at work we have, like, a bit of a disaster yeah. and we, I've got to work, like, extra hours. That means my entire week is screwed. I don't know if you swear, but no, no. <laughs> it would be, like we've, we've done worse, don't worry. <laughs> but, like, your whole thing's just fucked. And so yeah. you're like, shit. Oh, whoa, that, well, that was a big one. I didn't expect that. <laughs> We're going to have to beat that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, joking. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then it's, like, really hard. So you're like, okay. And then, so let's say you're just, like, extra stressed or, um... Like, for example, next weekend, we have a training day on a Sunday. That means full training day on a Sunday. Mm. So then I'm like, well, i got to do my all my organizing on the Saturday. So mm. next weekend, I really won't have a weekend. Because i got to do, like, shopping, cleaning, good all that thing, we, Good thing we got it today, eh? I yeah. know. So it's like, that's what I mean. So it can be quite difficult. So if there's, if there's things that change, or if, like, particularly if plans change last minute. Mm. And also, one of the hardest things is just organizing with, like, family and friends. Yeah. That's probably the most difficult because really while you're playing at this level everyone just kind of has to adapt around you mm. so like at christmas time we have a game on the 22nd and then i wow. gotta be back for the 2nd of january is this is for Eden? yeah and so i'll go up on the 23rd i gotta see mum. i gotta go see my dad i gotta see all my friends at home i will hopefully will try and get some chill time and then i'm immediately mm. back down and so i think that sort of stuff it puts a lot of pressure on them of that course. they really just have to fit your schedule and I find that a bit unfair, and it's quite a shame. And like my best mate, she lives in Germany. Okay. And like sometimes I feel really bad because she'll be like, "Oh, when are you next free?" And I'm like, "March." Like, you know, I would love to have like a weekend off, but also you don't know if you're not selected that week. Yeah. Like, so maybe I would not be selected. Then I could go do something. But then nobody else has that much flexibility within their schedule as well. So yeah. it's it's more that side of it that can be quite tricky, or you know. It's a lot. Yeah. It's definitely a lot. It can be hard. Routine yeah. and structure just seems like the foundation of, mm. of, of how you live your life. Or yeah, and uh, planning. That's why planning I hate when people are like, oh, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm like, are you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's like good. But that's also just because I've done it for a long time. So I think it's mm. now it's quite easy for me. Did you have any teething issues with being that organized at the start? Um, I When I say I've done it for a long time, I did this, like, in high school. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, so this is your... Because yeah, yeah, I just did life. everything. So I've always wanted to do loads of stuff. Um, okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. And so I don't know... There have been moments where I've, like, been burnt out. Of course. Um, particularly when I did my master's. There's a couple of times where yeah. I was just, like, compl- I was just, like, didn't have any energy left. 
Um, and there's definitely times where I can have kind of psychological like dips where just things mm. get quite hard. Okay. And usually it probably means I'm trying to do too much. So, um, um, when, when you go through those kind of moments, how, how do you manage to recalibrate? How do you manage to get yourself back up to keep going? Um, I really like... Um, so I can just get a bit of a negative spiral. So yeah. I'll be like, this work's not going well. I'm playing so shit. Like, rugby's so bad. Mm. Like, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, it's just trying to every day just think of like positive things that happened so okay. at the end of the day i do actually have like one of those like positivity journals i'm not a big fan of gratitude because i find it a bit religious and i'm not religious at all mm. um but like just write three ni nice things that happened that are disconnected to yeah achievements yeah, yeah um so i usually do that so like i love bubble tea so i'll be like yeah i had a great bubble tea today it okay. was really great or like the weather was really nice or stuff like that um so just like nice small things that you're like yeah. okay this is actually what life is really and then so sometimes you can just get a bit distracted with some of the big stuff um, yeah no, of so course. i'd say that's probably my favorite it doesn't work for everyone um and then i also enjoy meditating every now and again if okay. i need it if i feel quite stressed yeah. i can like have a little meditation big fan of the headspace app our headspace is great it's very good they've got they've got a thing on netflix now as oh, well. do they? yeah they've got like a little series it's, oh. it's like if you check on that, it's like episodes of each, like, oh, yeah. what what each meditation thing focuses on. Oh, cool. I, I really like Headspace as well. It's yeah, it's it, it great. Just, it's just the perspective and yeah. the... Yeah, and also you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in a way, like, there's like there's no balance in between, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. There's no balance in between. I feel like when you have a lot going on in your life, good or bad or work or whatever, mm. it's like, it's either good to really focus on something to keep you away from that, yeah. Or it's really good to not focus on anything to keep mm. you away from that. But 100%. then, in a way, it's it's really you're asking a lot of yourself in a way to to do either. Yeah. And there's like no sort of balance in in that yeah. in that regard. But I've been trying a bit better to like ask people for support as well. So oh yeah. Like ask because I've been quite. I think just the nature of doing a lot of stuff on your own. Yeah. I've been quite. Oh, I'm, I'll just manage it by myself, and then I end up you know burning out and crying and my mum finds and calls me and is like is everything okay I'm like no <laughs> um whereas now i'm a bit better at trying to like ask for support a bit earlier so if i'm struggling with something just ask a mm. friend like oh how did you manage this and then like talk about it or yeah. ask my friends to be like patient with me because i'm just like really busy at the moment or call my mum more regularly like you know, classic. I, i've got to, <laughs> i've got to commend you for that because i believe asking for help is is really mm. difficult especially in your case where you're so used to having everything so watertight yeah. and like I, I always whenever i have friends that have a problem going on or they're they're struggling in some sort of way mm. with whatever the first thing i do is i always compliment them for coming yeah. to talk to me whether it's just to tell me about what's going on or just to do something yeah. to distract themselves from what's going on because mm. i believe asking for help is a skill yeah it's hard as well also because yeah. i'm quite a practical person so i'm like can this person how can this person actually help mm. with the situation yeah whereas i i'm definitely learning that they're not going to help with the situation they're just there to help um just help you talk about it yeah. and, and not stress and you kind of realize then the things you're stressing about probably actually don't matter in the grand scheme of things and so of course of course like if you miss a training session it's not the end yeah. of the world or if you need some time just for yourself like if you cancel something, it's not going to be disastrous. Whereas I'm very much like, oh, if I've said I'll do it, I've got to mm. do it. So, uh, I've yeah. yeah, I actually. So, for me this week, I actually know what you're talking about because I was about to cancel training, like going training on Thursday, because I was I told I told T I was in Bury St Edmunds, so I live in, I live here in West in West Acton, West Acton to Aylesbury for work, and then from Aylesbury to Bury St Edmunds, so that's already three and a bit hours of driving. Mm. Then getting back from Bury St Edmunds, 
Tailsbury, another two two and a half hours of driving. So that's five and a half hours already. And then I went to go into the van where my stuff was. And my brother locked the van from the outside. Oh, no. And the spare key was in the van. And they're like, and he's like, why is it in the van? I was like, because you guys <laughs> rushed me this morning. That is a good question. And so, <laughs> look, so I got in. It's like, oh, you got to keep going. got to go to Bury St. Edmunds. I was like, yeah, I know. i got to go to Bury St. Edmunds. It's a two-hour drive. Leave me alone. And then I was like, I'm driving back to London. So I've got an hour driving. So that's six hours of driving. And I messaged my coach. So I'm like, hey, Rich, just letting you know. Won't be at train today. I've had, a lo- I've had a long day of driving, this, that, the other. Because that six hours of driving doesn't include working. And there was like mm. a free free and a bit hour fit and so like gosh and then i got home dashed all my stuff into the car after driving a van home went up to amish to amish another 40 minute drive there so i nearly eight hours of driving that day to go for an hour hour and a bit rugby session and you're like i just spent so much time driving just to go to an hour and bit session Mm. was it worth it Uh, did it help yeah and then my trainer comes up to me afterwards he's like I saw your message. I was about to message you being like, mate, you have to make the training. You're starting on the weekend. I was like, yeah, but life is getting in the way right now. Yeah. And, you know. And that's, yeah, sometimes some weeks it helps. Sometimes some weeks th- all you need to do is just have training and not think about anything else. Exactly. And it's actually getting to training. Once you're there, it's like so much better. And then some weeks you're just like, I just need to like not do anything. I, I, n- I need to put my face in a pillow and just like start screaming yeah. and go to sleep. <laughs> okay, let me, look, let's, let's ease off a bit on the... <laughs> on everything and let's go back to the tesco okay back oh. back in the village <laughs> back in the little town cooper funnily enough mm. funnily enough my surname Ooh. is it because you were the only people that lived there <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 spell differently spell differently oh yeah, uh, ha- wait how do you spell it c-o-c-double-o-p-e-r no no is that that's how you spell that's yeah, your the town one is c-u-p-a-r oh so like copper no, no, like, 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 I'm talking <laughs> yeah, phonetically. Yeah. If I'm, <laughs> yeah, 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 forgive my southern ignorance. <laughs> southern, yeah. you're, you're not English, <laughs> no, but you know, like, based on upbringings and where we are, and stuff you mean, like you mean downbringings because she's from up, we're from down. Mm. You're not English, I'm, I'm mixed. So, okay. my, my mom, my mother is Spanish and my dad's Egyptian. Oh, cool, yeah, so, and you're also not English. No, my parents are from ex Yugoslavia, okay. So we all had little little uh, travels into the into yeah, London. That's exciting. Yeah. And okay, so what was I going to ask Sorry, you? Sorry, Tesco's. Tesco's meal deals. Okay. Okay. I know you're an avid meal prepper. I do love a meal deal, obviously. Mm. But when you don't have the time to meal prep, or you're like, this lasagna ain't hitting the spot, okay. or this falafel just hitting the one. Yeah. Or just a snack. Sometimes. Just. Mm. What is your go-to meal deal okay. at Tesco's or Sainsbury's? Because I got, I got my one down to a T. Tarek knows what it is. Mm. But I want to know what your one is. Okay. That's I a have great question. And I, I, will give you a ra- I will give you a yeah. rating on this I think you well. might hate me for it. Okay. okay. I'm scared. So I'm obsessed with particularly Tesco's ham and cheese sandwiches. Okay. Yeah. And I know it's not like best value for money in the meal deal. I know there's like sandwiches you can get like triples and everything. Mm. But I just cannot get... I, I am obsessed with the Tesco's ham and cheese sandwich. Fair enough. Okay. I, like, I don't like the M&S one. It's too fancy. The mm. cheese is too strong. I want like, I want like cheap cheese, and I want just the perfect amount of mayo, which they do in Tesco's. Mm. And it's just like on the hang. If you're hungover, Tesco ham and cheese mm. sandwich is like best thing. So, and then snack. I would choose. Oh, so then I would also always get Diet Coke because it's definitely my biggest vice. Mm-hmm. I'm probably addicted, but it's fine. That's fine. Um, 
snack. Okay. Make or break. Make yeah. or break. You're I think you're going to hate me as well. I love a packet of quavers. Oh, fair. No, oh. quavers, quavers, okay. quavers. Is, quavers is good. It's just air. Yeah, no, really yeah so it's light. You know, no calories. It's all good. <laughs> or uh, sometimes I'll get some Doritos. But yeah, it's always ones? a crisp. Which ones for? Uh, depends on the mood. Hot and spite. The, depends the, the on the blue, mood. Red. Well, what kind of mood do you have to be in to get a certain Dorito? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd love a multi-pack, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd love like, the, mi- mm. the mix and picks version. Like right? Sometimes I'm like, really in the mood for some cheese. Okay. I also occasionally get cheese strings on the side just for fun. Love hey. cheese strings. But love they're obviously not included in the meal. You thing. don't bite them, though, do you? I do you? bite them. Oh, my God. I just God. like that's, <laughs> the that's, whole thing. That's a sin. Nah, do you in like three bites, they're gone. Three bites, amateur hour, two. Honestly, in America, when I lived there... You can buy like packs of like 40 string mm. cheese. You can buy packs of 40 everything in America. Yeah. And I would just, and they would be like, they're just so good because like quite salty. And I would eat them just like nothing else. You know, speaking of America, let's talk about your university experience. Sure. Um, so yeah, how, how did you even, how did the opportunity co- arise to come to America? Um, so I applied for, it's called the Bobby Jones Memorial Fellowship. Okay. But it's basically the scholarship uh, from St. Andrews. Okay. Where you can go um, where you can go and study um, and it was you could do like a master's yeah um, so I applied to that at St Andrews um, and then yeah they said I was successful which was very exciting so I was the 2019 okay. 2018 Memorial Fellow okay um, I don't know if you know anything about Bobby Jones I'm afraid not no he's I like I think he has an award for people to go to yeah no, no, nothing. That is, that's what it was. That's what I got. But he's like a golfer. Oh. And so he was like a, because I went okay. to St. Andrews. He was like a am- very famous amateur golfer. He created the Masters. See, we have to, we have to dive into more sports, mate. That's what it is. Mm. I mean, honestly, I'd never played golf in my life. I'm not that interested in it. But St. Andrews is obviously home of golf. Pub golf? Also has great pub golf. Um, there's fantastic pub golf there. Um, but also that's where he, so he had like a kindred spirit and that's why they had this partnership. So basically someone from St. Andrews goes across yeah. and then someone from Emory also goes to mm. St. Andrews. And so there's like the scholarship and then the fellowship. Scholarship's one year where you don't do a master's and the fellowship's where you do a master's. So there's like with a few of us that went across, I was the fellow. So then got to do a master's in mm. Atlanta, um, which was incredible. Um, and I studied... It's called Masters in Development Practice. Okay. Um, which is in technically like an international development degree, but it's basically about things like the UN, Oxfam, international charities, and how they work in different contexts. And also how it's all a scam and like a way for rich white people to push money into countries that they yes. don't belong in. So yeah, that's yeah. like... I always knew it. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what you learn mostly is how it's like... How was that transition of moving from the uk all the way to the it United was the best States. thing in the world i have wanted so hard to get out of fife okay <laughs> so i actually studied in new zealand as well for a bit really um, at yeah. the university of auckland on a year abroad correct except it wasn't a year it was only a semester but Aww. yeah um yeah. nearly though nearly it was though. great and i like lived in a van for a bit as well okay and like traveled about in new zealand and so that was like the first time i'd been lived somewhere else and it was amazing because scotland is very small mm. like <laughs> it's like what half the population of London is the whole, whole of Scotland. Scotland. Yeah, wow. it's four and a half million. Um, and so I really enjoy anonymity. Okay. 
I find it very like it's quite a peaceful place to be when nobody really knows who you are. Mm. Um, and so I enjoyed being at because I went from St Andrews, which is like a university of nine thousand. Everybody yeah. knows you. Like you, you bump into people all the time. Yeah. It's like three streets, tiny town. Especially the star player of St Andrews rugby <laughs> team. <as well. laughs> Definitely not. Um, <laughs> and then when I went to. Auckland that was like a uni of 40,000 in a big city. Nobody knew who it was. It was incredible. Mm. I was like, I need to leave. Yeah. Um, and so then when I had the opportunity to go to Atlanta, I was like, yeah, it's the best thing. And Atlanta was just incredible. Like You literally took the midnight train going anywhere. Yeah. Mm. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, it was amazing. I would honestly, it's it's not probably a great place to visit because it's not like that much to do. It's, prob- it's like Glasgow and Manchester. It's like, there's a little bit to do. There's like bits, but it's not, you know, you're not really like a tourist destination. Yeah, yeah, But it's yeah. an incredible place to live. Same okay. probably with Glasgow and Manchester. Yeah, no, I went to Glasgow once. Mm. Had a great, like, Web Spoons. Like, it, oh. was, it was a class Web Which Spoons. Which one? The one, like, in the centre. Like There's a couple. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah, this no, guy ain't been Glasgow. Uh, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> Glaswegian accent, it hit me like a, like a stack of bricks. So yeah. My brother sat down. We went up there to watch the Red Star... Uh, oh yeah the red star versus rangers yeah went to go watch that and i i was like yeah i'm here for i'm here for football and some guy came in with a glaswegian accent i looked at him i looked at my brother i looked back at myself through my phone i was like huh <laughs> and my brother then like in serbian he's like boy what's what's he what's he, what's he talking about I'm like, i don't know <laughs> i looked at him again like listened to him one more time i was like ah He's just asking where you can find some cat in Serbia, really. <laughs> and I was there like, well, that's... He's like, yeah. He's like, he went on and went on and on and on. And he's like, yeah, no, but like, I really want to know why I can find drugs in Serbia. And I was there mm. like, mate, honestly, good luck to you. <laughs> and I got off the train straight away. <laughs> but no, yeah. No, like, especially because you went from staying in Scotland, then going to New Zealand, coming back, and then shooting off to Atlanta. Like, mm. you, you've traveled. You've been quite a bit haven't you yeah I've enjoyed, um, I enjoy traveling I know your job in, involves a lot of traveling as well yeah so does. um a big a big part of that little paragraph I read about you in your little <laughs> job description thing was inclusion yes so what I wanted to ask you was what is inclusion what does inclusion mean to you mm. that's a big question we'll break it down So I would say inclusion is actually justice. Okay. So I think everybody deserves the right to be included and feel included in mm. a space. Um, and so, like when you talk about like gender equality, I prefer terms like gender justice. So it's about shifting the political and societal inequalities in order to make people feel safe and included in whatever environment they want to be in so yeah i don't know if that helps no that's 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 a great answer (laughs) better than anything i could have thought of um so um let's get let's let's because we've talked around your job Mm. but why don't you give us a insight on what your job actually is yeah so i work for laureus sport for good which is an international charity that uses sports to tackle inequality around the world um and it's specifically focused on young people. And so what the organization does, we're essentially a funder, but we fund grassroots community development organizations that are doing sports programs in different okay. countries. So 
for example, if WASPs was to have a community development program, yeah, they don't, but if they were to have specifically a community development one, they could apply to us for funding. Okay. And we would fund the likes of WASPs and also provide them with help around how they can, you know, um, have better governance structures, better finance, how they measure impact better, etc. So that's like the organization. My job is I'm responsible for how the organization measures impact. Okay. So um, there's a very technical field called uh, monitoring, evaluation, accountability and learning, which is what I'm responsible for. And so essentially we're giving money to organizations, but we're also getting money from organizations like Nike. Okay. And Nike want to know we're changing the game for girls sports. How do we actually prove that? And so there's different like reporting techniques and measures that you can use. Um, but also things like inclusion, like how do you actually measure inclusion and how do you actually measure like peace building or how do you measure gender equity? And so how do you also measure it in sport? Mm. And then how do you do it at a local level? But then also how do you create something systematic across at the top level? So you can say not only is that program in Acton doing X, Y, Z, but also this program in Kenya is doing very similar things. And they're both having a similar impact on young people so that at a top level we could talk about it. So that's what I do. Wow. <laughs> it's a bit nerdy, to be fair. Oh, no, no, nothing <laughs> nerdy about the su it. The summary on the website was 275 programs in 50 different countries, and you just, you've definitely, like, done this in the mirror a few times, haven't you? It's like, this is how I'm going to describe my uh, job. You can't... The guys on Hinge will ask you, like, oh, what do you do for work? And you're like, yeah, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, huh. What about rugby? It's like, oh, God. Yeah, so, no, I, I'm, and I love my job and get to travel a lot. It's super cool and, like, mm. it's very rewarding. And to be honest, like, I think it was a lot of people who probably put on the earth to play rugby. I have never felt that. I felt like my job is what I was, like, here yeah, to do. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So, like, definitely think it's, yeah, I'd, I've always wanted to work in sort of community change, social justice sort of things. I didn't know whether it was possible to combine sport, so I've managed to find a place where I can do that. And also I'm really interested in, like, accountability so international organizations often based in the west working in other countries how can we make sure they are accountable to the communities they claim to serve rather than just like taking nice pictures and being like oh yeah we're helping kids well you're actually changing the community in a positive way in the way that the community wants it to change i think that's like an essential component and that's really what the impact measurement piece does in my view is like Okay, Nike say they want to help girls. How do we also help Nike know what's helping girls in those mm. communities? So, so a bit of a mixture. It's a lot of guidance as well in terms of like what people perceive to be help mm. and then how they can actually implement that help. Yeah, positively. and also how people want to be helped. Yeah, like it's more about like, like if you were to ask like if you guys if you were to say like what's the big issues in your community in terms of men and what yeah. would you want to change rather than someone external saying, I think this is an issue for men and this mm. is what we think we should change. And you're just then like a recipient of it. So it's more yeah. about like that two-way process, you know, like, yeah, I don't know what issues would be for like guys and playing rugby, but like it w it's important that you would also say, it's important you have the right to say, this is the help we need rather than being like, this is the help I'm going to give you. And if you don't want it, we'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So it's that type of conversation. Okay. Um, and I think, and also a lot of like data and like companies also care about impact stats so sure. well, it's what, what companies, story. What companies love stats yeah and they mm. love a good story so it's about trying to like play that middle ground between telling a good story and also trying to like hold accountable so yeah funnel some money from the private sector into the hands of people who need it more yeah exactly <laughs> we need more of that 
<laughs> yeah. Everywhere. 100%. <laughs> every sport, every location, every destination. Oh, yeah. seriously, though. If it was possible to do that on a worldwide community basis, mm-hmm. that, that would... Because even, yeah. like even in just London alone, there's so mm. many areas that are like underfunded, not yeah. looked after. 100%. So many kids find themselves on the streets because 100%. They, there's no access to anything. Yeah. And there's no access to an outlet that can keep them focused on one yeah. thing. And We have a very cool project in London, which is also across other cities, called Model Cities. Okay. Um, or Sport for Good Cities. Um, and what happens is that essentially over a few years we support the community to come together and build a coalition and the coalition then decide where they want to spend the money so there's one in Barking, Hounslow and Haringey and so those are the three coalitions in and they're all for like sports charities or like sports clubs so Barking Rugby Club actually is the one that kind of runs it there yeah so they're like part of the coalition group they don't run it but they're like the lead mm. organization that's helping do it. Funny enough, I used to play oh, not really? for them, but I used to play at a club that ah, trained, yeah, that trained at their ground and used their facilities. Oh, cool! Yeah, they're yeah. very. They let everyone use the facilities, yeah, and they yeah, like, like they have this really cool like Muslim women's sports club there, and they like wow. come in and like use the facilities. And so it's it's just like a hub, but also it's really important that people and like community groups like that are also making the decisions about where they want the money to go, mm. because the reality is like me sitting in the office in Fulham. I'm not going to make the right decision for the community members embarking. Of course. And so there's that sort of stuff that I think is like, yeah, it's great. And I, d- I do think, like you've seen the news, I don't know if you've seen the news recently, but like a lot of councils are not, are they're underfunded and, and yeah. need a lot more money and they're not able to do what they used to do. Mm. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of need for it. This um, is going to sound like slightly deviating, but basically I live, I, I lived in um, East Acton. So okay. you've got Old Oak Road, yeah. And it's a it's a busy road that leads to the motorway and whatnot. Okay. And um, but on one side, so on this side of the road, you got Hammersmith and Fulham Borough. Okay. But then right across the road, you got Ealing Borough, and this is a busy road with no like traffic lights or zebra mm. cr- like one zebra crossing of this long road, and like none of the council, none of those two local authorities can agree mm. to build a zebra crossing just yeah. for people to cross the road safely. I mean, I know it might not sound relevant like that, no, but it's, it's like, yeah. it's like just something as simple as that. It's difficult, like yeah. they, they don't want to take any kind of responsibility. Mm. And ter- but then if, if, I mean, this is something that I was told, so I'm not going to take this for like gospel, innit? This, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to act like, yeah. Someone's, I, someone's <laughs> built the tea and Tyrek's yeah, like, is, I'm, I'm going to spill it on live. Yeah, but yeah, no, nah, I mean, it kind of, like, if, if that is a, a 100% true mm. fact, like, it does sort of go back to how a lot of councils are underfunded and how they're yeah. not willing and to put money. And politics as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, all about the politics. Yeah. We love a good politics. It's yeah. hard. It's, and it's, it's a shame because all it means is that kids miss out. Yeah. And that's really what, like, the work's about. And, like, that's what I care about is, like, really kids just want opportunities. And so, mm. you know, you see that, like, people will be fighting over like resources and where to spend it and then they'll fight over it for five years but that mm. kid who was seven is now what 12 12 yeah quick maths. <laughs> and then they've already today. missed out so like yeah. what's the point so there's the stuff like that where you're just like it's it's frustrating but um yeah i wish there was unlimited funds just, yeah um, i mean there is but there is but there isn't yeah. if you look at it you know because unlimited funds go in someone's pockets that's just that's just a theory <laughs> uh yeah. but i feel like the Talking about that and talking about funding, the biggest, like one of the current ones are the fact that schools are closing. Mm-hmm. Mm. A lot of schools are closing. And it's like, I've had 
mates, I've had coaches who are teachers and everything losing their jobs because there's no funding into a school sector. Mm. And so if you can't get funding into a school sector, how are you going to get funding into a sector where it's a hobby for kids trying to do sports? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I fundamentally disagree with a lot of the policies the current government are pursuing in, in the UK. So I definitely, I think it's interesting from, obviously I sit a very international perspective of work, um, but I can see that there's like a lot of problems, but it's very similar problems that will be happening in different countries as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole. Go and vote. Go and vote, vote the right way. That's a whole. That's a whole. That's a whole other podcast yeah. episode. Hundred percent. Free next week. Uh, <laughs> vote. Vote. For uh, vote for your idea of politics, but also vote so your credit score goes a bit higher. That's a good reason why. So um. Just to deviate from the, the, the work you, life. Do you want to go back into the original podcast or do you want to deviate <laughs> from the deviation? No, we deviate from the deviation. There's no original podcast. We're just going as we go. This is list pod. List doesn't mean anything. It just means life in sports. Yeah. In and out. Open. Open. Open, open. Like tennis. Let's so go. What do you mean like tennis? Let's go. Like, like a tennis rally or like the open? And oh. Like going back and forth? Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about your rugby playing career and, sure. and stuff like that. So Because um, there's no statistics on it online, so you've got to tell us all, f- yeah. all from the beat. Any tries, any conversions, any drop kicks? Okay, no, we don't need to know that. I do. I need okay, to know. Okay, you, you need to know. But I want to talk about how you got, um, where you've played and how mm. you got into dark central like that. Okay. Well, so we've already gone through that she five. was at Howe Fife, and then she was also there for the senior team while she was at St. Andrews. Okay. Went to, I'm just literally summarizing what we've said in the past. Sorry. I'll stop when we get back to, when we get to Atlanta, I'll stop. Uh, okay. So Howe Fife. And St. Andrews Uni. St. Andrews Uni. Both senior squads. Went to University of Auckland. You played for the Uni of Auckland for a, no, for a team. That had six players from the Black Ferns in it, mm-hmm. and and someone I currently play with at Trailfinders, which is very fun. Really, yeah. and she said that semester there really improved her, improved her game, improved her knowledge yeah. of it. It's a bit more fun than that, though. That's a bit dry. So mm. really, it was because we went, and so I here I was, I was like at least ten kilos smaller than I am now, <laughs> and I was like young, and I'd obviously played in Scotland, and everyone in Scotland was quite small, yeah. and I went across, and I they asked me what position I was when I went and they, I said I was a forward and they genuinely laughed because I was so small. I got, exa- I got the exact same thing when I said <laughs> I was a flanker, back row. I was like, mate, yeah. go to the wing. I was like, fair enough. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm sadly not quick enough to do that. Um, and then we were doing like scrummaging and stuff and I was like scrummaging against the front, like New Zealand front row. And she was like, you need to squeeze to like get your knees off the ground. And I genuinely was squeezing so hard. I thought if I squeeze any harder, I'm actually going to shit myself. <laughs> and so I could not, she was like, you know what, you're not, why are you not doing anything? She's like, meanwhile, not even trying. And I'm like, to try and like get into a scrummaging position. So it was like, when I say like it improved, it was because it was like, you got to improve or you're going to just crash and burn. And also you're running against like Pacific Island women who, my goodness, they are just so strong Mm. and so quick. And so it was quite a steep learning curve. I actually didn't manage to get much game time because in the second game I broke my collarbone. Um, Mm. But Is it good now? It's good now. But it was my, I remember there was a Pacific Island lady who was running at me. And she was like twice the size of me and probably twice as quick. And I was like, my and the same position. She was probably a flanker as well. I don't know. Maybe she was like a winger. She was like, I was like, mind over matter, Fiona. Mind over matter. No, matter if you matter. <laughs> matter one. Um, and yeah, so I snapped my collarbone. So that wow. was unfortunate. So I kind of came at like a difficult time. But 
yeah, it definitely was a bit of a shock to the system and it helped me realize that you need to get a lot better and, you know, maybe go to the gym a bit more consistently and eat a bit more. Get, get, get some feeds in you. Yeah, exactly. So that was good. So it wasn't just like, oh, it made me, l- it was loads better and it was great fun. It was like, it was really hard. <laughs> so from Auckland, yeah. um, did you move back to the UK? Came back. So I'd also done Scotland in the 20s as well okay. in my what second was, year. What was that like? Yeah, it was the international setup. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, I'd never done it before, and I, I don't know. I've always been one of these players that kind of like is on the fringes, mm. and then I always feel like I have to ask to be involved. So yeah. I was like, I really want to do this. I don't know how people are doing under twenties, so I was like, I just want to go for like a trial. Mm. And so then I called my coach, who was somehow connected to someone in the Scotland setup, and then they invited me in, and then I was captain of that year. So that was wow. quite cool. Um, that wasn't in the stats. See. No. Go. It's always good to ask. So yeah, so I was so I captained them. So that was quite a shock because again, a lot of the players had done it for like two, three years because they'd gone through the age categories. Yeah, whereas yeah. I was just like, hello. <laughs> um, so that was a bit of a surprise. And then from there, they invited me into some Scotland camps, but it was horrendous and I hated it. Um, Why was that? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I just was very overwhelmed, mm. and I just didn't think anybody was very nice. I'm sure they were, but I was like 80, I was, what, I was like 20, mm. and I just probably wasn't the right time, I probably wasn't confident enough, like I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. it was like very stressful, very high pressure, well, like very serious. Well that like was like four years into your rugby career, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. um, and so obviously there was a few of us who were younger who they'd brought up, but I basically said to the coach, I, d- I don't think I'm ready for this, um, yeah. which he said he respected, and then I went to New Zealand, came back, and then I was like, okay. I think I might be a bit more ready now. Okay. After, like the, after the collarbone. Yeah, played against the big boys. Now I know what we can do. Um, <laughs> and then we, I did like a, I got invited to do like East versus West. So they used to nice. split East, West, Scotland. Okay. For th- to like do some training games. Who'd you play for? Um, East. Nice. Yeah. I actually have a hoodie that says East on it. Doesn't it? Not related to Scotland <laughs> whatsoever, but like, you know, it says East. Yeah. So that was quite fun. So I, I'd, um, I'd, and I played quite well, and so as a result of that, they then brought me into the pathway setup, which meant I was like gymming once a week at a pathway in Dundee, mm-hmm. um, and then I actually got invited into a camp, but it was the same week as my interview for my scholarship. Okay, for the masters. Yeah. Okay. And so I decided mm-hmm. not to do that, and I decided to do the interview, and so yeah. that was quite probably like a big fork in the road decision yeah um and so i mean right decision for me but every decision that you make like exactly. right decision. several years later you're here on the list pod that's great yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was like quite a, a big thing and then um that's why i made i chose that one and then because i moved to america they i wasn't on like the pathway or anything yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and then i came back in covid so obviously had oh. a year no playing. Oh, sorry. When I was in America, I played for Atlanta Harlequins. Oh, um, how many Harlequins are there? I don't know. Many Harlequins. There's <laughs> the amateur <laughs> Harlequins. There's the rugby league Harlequins. Was there was there a big um, difference in like because so at this when you went to America at mm. this point, were you already did you already do your semester abroad in New Zealand? I'd already done it. Yeah. So, so how, oh yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, so like so we're talking like how different and how vast were those rugby cultures? Because you have your rugby culture in Scotland, mm. the time you spent playing in Auckland. And now you're in Atlanta. Yeah. So how, 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 how much did the rugby culture differentiate and how much similarities did they have as well? Yeah, I definitely think it's great because like wherever you go, you can just find a group of women who are pretty friendly and like lovely. I, yeah. I think I was at a point where I was a bit fed up with rugby when I went to the US. Okay. And so I decided I didn't want to take it as seriously. And so I joined a more of like chill mm. club team. But it was the best culture I've ever experienced. So really? they had like certain rules. 
you couldn't say sorry if you made a mistake. Obviously, if you hit someone in the face, you're going to say sorry. But if you, like, dropped a ball, you couldn't say sorry. And the part of... The aim of that was that women apologize too much for just, like, existing in space. Mm. And you're in training, so you're meant to... You're meant to make mistakes and you're meant to learn from them. So if you mm. did say sorry, you had to run the length of the pitch and they had a cut-out effigy of Beyonce and you had to kiss her because Beyonce <laughs> doesn't say sorry, right? <laughs> I, I ain't sorry. That's because you were British because, you know, we always say sorry yeah. in England. Well, we also do that. So that was like some things like that and also like just so much positivity. And it was very much like the, the club, the players decided... It was. I've been in teams where like the coach... It's like the coach's team, whereas... Mm it was almost like the team's coach. Mm. And so it was very much every decision around like selection. So we, we all agreed on like voting system about wow. players who get below a certain percentage of attendance would not be eligible for games and all that sort of stuff. So it, it taught me a lot about how to build good culture and how it was important to have good culture and also to be around so many like very empowered women in Atlanta, like completely shifted my perspective of what sport could do in that regard. And so... Yeah, incredible. Sounds like a very enriching experience. Very, very enriching. Personally and hundred percent. It was like probably if I hadn't done that, I prob I could have potentially just not played at high level ever again. Yeah. And so because of that and because I like fell back in love with it because of the mm. women there, then I was like, Oh actually like rugby's amazing and the women are amazing and I can do it in a way that is right for me rather than just going through the same path that everybody else was doing. Huh. How much of that have you managed to implement in your own rugby playing now since mm. post America? Yeah, I definitely don't say sorry as much. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, because I coached, when I came back, I also coached Napier University women's okay. team. Um, and so I was a head coach for them for the year. And I also implemented the same like cultural rules. And they actually then won the league that year. So I think some of those Ooh. things are just like foundations of just so many things about like how about self-confidence and how you mm. perceive yourself and all that sort of stuff I learned and I uh, carry it with me forever. I have like Alan Harlequin's stuff yeah. that I will just keep in my bag and I have this one t-shirt that we had on our like tour and it says like overtake, overpower, overcome and if I'm ever having like a bad day in like rugby, I'll wear that t-shirt and be, it just reminds me of the culture there. So very, very important. That's, that's amazing. So yeah. you, you went to America for the Beyonce but Beyonce came back with GT. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, that, 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 I find that really interesting because mm. me personally, I started playing rugby into my 20s, like mm. just post-COVID sort of thing, this and that. So like, uh, so I'm 27, so I started playing at like 24, 25, mm. just getting into it, whatever, finding something new to do, hard times hit me. And I've always been a guy that says sorry. Mm. Like I've always been a guy that says sorry, whether it's I position myself wrong or whether it's I dropped the ball mm. or whether it's I, 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 I fucked up the line out mm. cool and I, you know, when they shout the number and I just didn't get yeah. it. And then, like, when I make a silly mistake like that, it's, like, I find it so overwhelming yeah. that, I, like, I feel ashamed of myself because part of me is, like, I'm learning a sport that a lot of people have been playing, mm. if not their whole lives, half their lives. But then at the same time, it's, like, so I feel like I'm catching up to everyone mm. else. But that's the point, isn't it? You're yeah. learning, right? Yeah, I know. So that's why it's, like... If you can't if you can't make mistakes mm. in training and you can't make mistakes in sport like that, yeah, where are you gonna do it? That's literally the point of it, mm. right? It's the point of training is yeah. you men learn from it, and so I think that was what it shifted for for me. The other day, for example, is like so I've been this is my third season at mm. Wasps. I was very my first season I was very on injury. Second season I was more out than in. Third season today is like I'm I, as I said like before off camera I was trying to wean myself back in. Just yeah, and like. So on training on Thursday, not outing no one, but someone said to me, 
you've been here long enough. You should know the line out falls. Mm. And like, I get the point. What did you say back? I didn't say anything back. I was just, I don't know. You've been know. here long enough not to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 I said, everyone's like, to me, is like, you know, Terry, I was like, look, right. He's trying his best. That's all that you need to do. You, you guys aren't like looking, you guys aren't getting paid. It's a hobby. So you shouldn't be a, you shouldn't be a, I want to, I want to say the word, but I don't want to say it at the same time. So I have to say the word dick instead. Mm. You can't be a dick to him because obviously everyone has their issues. Like if I, if I could, I'd point at everyone and be like, look, yeah. you did this wrong. You did this wrong. At the end of the day, there's no point in doing that. Mm. Cause like I, I still say sorry. I'll, I've started playing like when it's like 11, 12. I say sorry. But then, like, if I don't, like, if someone starts, like, chatting to me about, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, I'll look at them and I was like, yeah, it was my decision, so just... Mm. Well, isn't everyone always trying their best? Yeah. Exactly. Like, when are you, when are, when are, if you're not doing well one day, you've probably got something else going on. Mm. And that is something, like, definitely with trail finders, yeah. like, Giselle, the coach there, she's very yeah. good about, you know, nobody intends to make a mistake. Mm. So why on earth would you... Yeah. pull someone up on it now people might get if people get stuff wrong consistently maybe it's not a mistake maybe they just don't know in yeah. which case then you can say like hey what's going on here but nobody intends to like drop a ball yeah. so who, who would intend to do that nobody intends to miss a tackle nobody yeah. intends to like mess up the line out call it's not it's not, you're not thinking you know what I'm going to do today I'm, I'm going to mess I'm it up I'm going to fuck shit up yeah. my team it just doesn't work like that and I think yeah. people I think at that club they really recognised that and it really helped me because then it like took the pressure off me a bit and then yeah. you can play and when you play and you're not worried, that's when you actually play good rugby. Yeah, I think, yeah, sorry. Well, the re- when you said the sorry thing, it was just a big eye-opener mm. for me and just sort of made me... Because, like, the longer I've played, the more I think people expect me to know. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I should know and I've learned a lot from day one to now. But then it's like... I don't know, like, information overload. You're also there's just doing of, your best. Yeah, like, if they there's, don't, there's like just if a you lot to it. I don't like, know, I just find it's like put so much expectation on people like people yeah. really do try and don't get me wrong like in the heat of the moment you can get oh, frustrated no, 100%, with people and 100%. on a pitch you might be like oh you've not done that right yeah but when you actually think about it everybody i do think everyone's trying and and that's what with the club i coached you know every time anyone would say sorry i would count it mm. and then whenever we'd have a break i'd make everybody do burpees for the number of stories that was said like mm. in a drill between like everyone in the session. yeah so if one person said it everyone's doing burpees so if, you, if we have like five stories, you're going to be like 10 burpees. Oh, mm. and you, said, so you said stories. Oh, sorry. That's another one. Like, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, if you do, like there was times where people would like accidentally like hit someone or chuck the ball at their head or something and yeah. then they can say sorry and it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah, That yeah. one is like, oh, goodness, I'm really sorry. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But just in terms of, and so many, you see it as well, like when girls would join and they would start playing and they would say sorry for every single thing. And I'm like, you are in here week two. Mm. If you can't catch a ball, that's fine. Mm. You're week two. Like, w- yeah. just wait. Like, give it five years, and then you can then you know exactly. maybe if you then drop one and it's a big one, you could be like, oh sorry guys, but you're not gonna take it the same way. Mm. Like, how can we expect people to just start a sport, yeah. or even like be l- training in a sport and just be mm. perfect? I think playing sport can like depending on how confident you are in the sport can really bring out a vulnerability in mm-hmm. yourself and. Because in a way, you're exposing and expressing yourself in a complete different way out mm. of the ordinary from any kind of day-to-day life. 100%. And especially, like, when you add the competitiveness in there, you sort of find yourself, like, suddenly you're, you're part of this group that wants to get over the line. But then you're, you want to fit into that group, but then you want to do your best. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of, in a way, uh, I'm sort of from my pers- perspective anyway, I don't want to speak for everyone, but... 
then you kind of find yourself like you want to do your best but you don't want to do your best enough to make a mistake that upsets the rest of the group mm. and i'm not saying i play in a group that that is like that at all like but it's just it's just the subconscious feeling yeah. of wanting to make everyone happy with what you do yeah and it's pressure the same. Isn't it? yeah and, yeah. It, and it's pressures that you put on yourself like and I've seen loads of people put pressure on themselves, like whether it's to just, mm. oh, I want to make it as a pro athlete or I want to do this or mm. I want to do that. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really struggled with it to the start mm. of the this new season as well. So like yeah. we're moving to trail finders yeah. as like more competitive. And then I had actually, I got a moped in June and then I yeah. came off my moped um, and like on the way to training. And so I was like really rattled and then I like missed the week of training because of that. And then mm. I just had put on so much pressure yeah. and I felt so paralyzed. I couldn't actually play. And then I don't know what it was, but I just had a bit of like a, oh, fuck it. Just enjoy it. Like mm. how many opportunities you're going to get. And since then I've now been training like a lot better and playing a lot better. Okay. And so I think it is about pressure. Like, but sometimes it's just self-created. Yeah. And sometimes like players that do the best are the ones who just also don't really care. Yeah. That's when I think I enjoyed my rugby the most. Yeah. The less I gave a shit about something, the better I Yeah. The, the more the more fun you could have. Yeah. And what's the point if you don't have fun? Like yeah. what is the point? Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Not, not like me crying after a sevens <laughs> tournament or anything. It's I like mean I do I've done it too. We all have those days. Like oh God, you have those it's times it's where you get disappointed and it's just like literally after like a long day you literally finish you're sort of like oh i'm so much better mm. to put more pressure on you on the 25th 25th healing trial finders are playing against garrisons quims. i'm guessing quims? that's my quims that's close you mean our first home game no 25th november oh. against saracens women's oh, okay. that was a guess as well boom nice i didn't research that uh, we shall come and make a guest because it's like Saturday and I'm not playing and <laughs> you guys are starting your season on the 18th. Yes, next week. And you've had uh, four cup games so far mm-hmm. and you lost the recent one to Loughborough Lightning. Yes, we did. We lost I all of them, sadly. I, d- I, d- I didn't say that. I said you lost the recent one. I know, one. I did. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, to be fair, we were like, Yo, why is there nothing on the table? Like yeah. And then yeah. we were like, we did our research cup a bit games. more. It's like, oh, it's just cup games. I was like, yeah. I was like, if there was like literally no update about the, the <laughs> yeah. league structure, we, I, I was about to be like, nah, I need to write into this one. This yeah, cup. yeah, nah. I was thinking, I was, I was hoping it was true because that would have been a good thing to have a rant about. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, by the way, imagine there's no information about stats or the games. <laughs> Terrible. Um, so. You know what? Um, since we're, so you went from. I need the summary guys. Okay, cool. Uh, R- rugby so career. Rugby career. Uh, Atlanta came back to Scotland. Then oh it yeah, was the lockdown. And then she was with, I, I can't pronounce the, the first part. But Kistorf Cougar. and Cougars. Kistorf and Cougars. Uh, lockdown loosened up a bit. And then she was like, do you know what? I went to Auckland. I went to Atlanta. I might as well take a chance and go down to London. Well, so actually there's some other interesting bits in there. So oh. I was See, in, do tell, please. I was in Castorf and Cougars and then I had said I wanted to try the Scotland stuff again. Mm-hmm. And so I joined um, and they essentially, we like trained in a very small section of the pitch, like because it was like the summer sevens. And okay. so we did training, but also we kind of had to bubble as a Scotland squad. Uh, mm. And so they brought me in for a bit and then they invited me to the um, pre-World Cup Okay. Stuff. In twenty. Pre the World Cup just gone. No, no it was twenty twenty one. Yeah, because it's yeah. it's uh, 
interchanging every two years. Oh, fair. Um, but they had, I'd had a couple conversations where they wanted to move me to front row. Um, and I didn't want to do that. Um, and I didn't think that they, it was just like, it felt a bit underhanded. I didn't really love it. It wasn't positive. It wasn't mm. particularly positive for me, um, partly because of my own experiences, but also just the way that the conversations were handled. And so I actually said, no, I don't want to do it. And I, I quit. Um, <laughs> maybe it was, I don't know if it was a decision or not, but yeah, so I decided to say no and quit the Scotland setup. And so I didn't go to those camps. Then I moved down to London and I decided that I was going to give a shot at Prem um, and I didn't know if I'd be good enough. And I also kind of wanted to prove to the coach that I could play back row at high level. And so then I joined Wasps. Um, and was this last season that you joined? Yeah, that was last season. Okay. So, um, yeah. Go on, already. Give, give us yeah. the conclusion of the story. <laughs> um, yeah, so then joined Wasps, played here. And then, yeah, the Scotland coach called me, head of the Six Nations, and said, yeah, fair credit to you. You can play back row. So Whoa. that was quite fun. So I was called in for Six Nations. Mm. Sadly, did not get picked to play. Um, and then... Um, You're knocking on the door, though. Knocking on the door. But I am also getting old. So it may be, it may be beyond my may beyond my reach, which is also fine. I've, I've come to terms with it. Mm. But you never know. So I'll keep playing and see, see where it takes 27 me. 27 is not old. Uh, I won't say that. For international <laughs> rugby, it can be old. But there's also a lot of like incredible players coming through mm, who are younger yeah. as well. So I also through life decisions with uni and doing my master's and all those things, you know, potentially that's not mm. my route. But then I got the opportunity to play at Trail Finders so for this season because obviously Wasp shut down. Yeah, Sorry. so th this is something I wanted to ask you about, mm. actually, because it was a, that, that season, last season was a very up in the air kind of year yeah. in terms of it was a lot of a lot of the stuff going on upstairs that doesn't, is completely yeah. out of players and coaches' controls. And yeah. But like it led to the season before that, we had a lot of players that were there, a lot of really good players that ended up leaving yeah. and whatnot for whatever reason. So then it led to like a complete exodus of like squad squad exodus. Mm. Good and word, good word that exodus. Yeah, yeah I try. <laughs> I don't have it on my phone. <laughs> I, don't, I genuinely don't. But yeah, um, and that like I mean it led to a lot of like because I I was working at the bar and mm. and there was a lot of times the women's were playing and and I mean like. We lost a lot of games and that. I mean, yeah, we lost every game. Was it every? Um, so um, he didn't say that. He said lost a lot of games. <laughs> didn't I mean, I, I I didn't yeah. watch everything, so I, I didn't follow. But I just know that it was a lot of games. Yeah. Um, but um, so yeah, what what was that like? That kind of environment of uncertainty, especially in your mm. first season in the Prem. Yeah. So obviously, I didn't know any different. Yeah. But when I joined, the, there were still quite a few good players around. Yeah, 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 um, yeah And yeah. still quite a few pro players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we started the cup, and I was like loving training. It was like really, really positive. Um, and in the cup, I played six for most of the games. Mm. Um, so I was like quite excited about, oh, maybe I'll get some game time in the prem. Like, yeah. this could be quite exciting. Um, and yeah, then shit hit the fan basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know how. We just kind of got through it. Mm. I think it was very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, and it was very frustrating to... I think I lasted until after I got back from... Well, it was amazing that it gave me the opportunity to play as much as I did. Because yeah. that basically then got me the call up into the Six Nations squad. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I am super grateful for of everything course, and course. all the game time. And most players, when they first join the Prem, are fighting for minutes. And I got yeah. 80 minutes pretty much every week. Okay. So was at the end of the day, you're playing top level rugby for 80 minutes. Now, granted, the scores were never in our favour. Yeah. But how many people get to say they got 80 minutes of like a season at also a club that I really respect of and, course, and love? Of course, of course, yeah. 
in the last year that it was to do it. The only problem was after I came back from the Scotland stuff, which I didn't love and I yeah. found quite stressful. Um, I then it just like exacerbated frustrations and stresses, and I yeah. so I didn't really enjoy the end of the season. I found that quite difficult. How were the dynamics um, in terms of um, being part of a team that were, mm. were struggling to get results? Yeah. Oh my god, those girls are amazing. Yeah. Like everybody, the, I have positive. never always positive. So lovely. Everyone's like incredibly, like kind and that group of girls will always like I've got such good friends for life because of it so I think there is an element of like going through the adversity of yeah. it and the people who stuck around really stuck around and yeah. dug in and were like well we're going to be here and we're going to just do this and mm. yeah so I have uh, so much time for them always and, and you know it was amazing because like obviously we were around but from the outside like peeking up peeking mm. up peeking out the window sort of thing um I remember it was the final game of oh, that yeah. season and I think we played, we just played a game out of league and we were here after the, yeah. we were here after our game. And like, there was just so much celebra celebrating the mm. whole club and the achievement of being a Prem team and that togetherness yeah. and, and the pride, current and past players coming down. Mm. And, and it was just, it was, it was a really great thing to see and to be around, yeah. even though, but even though we weren't directly had any idea of what was going on just that there was problems with the men's mm. therefore there was problems with the women's and yeah. therefore maybe go Coventry maybe not and this and that yeah no it's difficult and I think I actually because I'd only been there for a year mm. I didn't really have much tie to like wasps as an institution yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a lot of like affection for the girls in that year but yeah. I didn't really understand the history of wasps but like wasps was the first uh, women's team in England yeah really club women's team in England yeah so obviously that was you know there's obviously still a women's team here but yeah. the fact that it was always at the top level of rugby and the fact now just because of poor financing and all that sort of stuff now there wouldn't be yeah. i can understand why a lot of people found that super hard and there were some women on the day who were in that first ever team coming back down for like the last the last game i don't yeah. like to say last game because obviously the amateurs are still they're, they're playing and, and doing really well and i know they got promoted as well so yeah, I, it's not i think it's like i understand there's more to it but it was yeah. just because obviously the the women's uh, prem side was the highest level yeah, of the yeah, game yeah, in England. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that the Wasps had always played at the highest level in England yeah. and apparently the women's game and now wasn't, it was quite a big day for people. Of course, I just yeah. didn't have, I had, didn't have huge connection to the history, yeah. but I obviously learned a lot yeah. in that year. Um, and, you know, yeah, if anyone in that team was to need anything, it would be, yeah, no problem here sure. for you whenever. So it's, it's a very, it's, it's also quite nice now that we've all left. We kind of all had to leave. And mm. so, whenever I see them, like we played Saris in the cup and there was a couple of girls who I saw yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's so good to see you. Whereas sometimes when people leave because they want to rather than because they have to, yeah, it's yeah, like a bit yeah. of a negative vibe. Um, 100%. It shouldn't be, but sometimes it is because you're like, oh, you yeah. left the team. Whereas some actually it's like, it's still all very positive. I mean, it's all about like how different people take you leaving. Some people see it as traitor, oh, you've left and gone to a different yeah. place. We but didn't have any of yeah, that because yeah, yeah, yeah. it shut, like yeah. So um, how how so if we move on from like what's how did the move to Ealing come about? Yeah, so um, I went to visit Trailfinders, and yeah. I also went to visit a couple of the other clubs in London, um, and I liked what Giselle suggested and yeah. enjoyed the idea of being like the first team there, um, yeah. trying to build something, you know, a bit of history, um. They got a lot of resources. Yeah, um, so, so it's a great club. So there wasn't the risk of another wasp situation, which is quite a nice thing to mm. know. You don't have to like deal with so much <laughs> financial concerns on top of your it's regular okay. life. It's okay. Safe is 
deal with so much shit. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, then I also went, to, like I spoke to Quinn, spoke to Saris, but I think the trail finders yeah. culture was probably something I wanted to be part of. So yeah, I'm then not. joined and it has been uh, difficult at times just because mm. I think mentally I was a bit, mm. in a bit of a slump with it, but now I'm like really, really enjoying it and everyone's lovely as well. Giselle, yeah. Giselle picked some incredible people and just like really nice humans. How's, how's your trail finders adventure gone so far? Especially Four building games up in. Four games in and especially building up to the curtain raise or yeah. start in the league. Well, so I played the first game and then got dropped because I was played so badly. Um, which I did. Is, play uh, is that you being self? No, I'm being. No, I'm being honest. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I p- was played badly. Then I was back in and I played well. And then I started the last game in the cup and played. I think well. So. Okay. Um. So 25th, yeah. you should be on the pitch. Okay. We'll, we'll Fingers get, crossed. It's we'll very competitive. Everyone's mm. really, really good. So it is mm. like. It R- is regardless, tight. we'll get. We'll, we can get a nicer post-game picture. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Sure. If you're there. But it's like it's close. So in, I, in kit as well. In yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta get picked first. So. If not, as long as you're so wearing something that's like the big, the big, trial finders, the Juno. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I, whatever's the best decision for the team, and it will depend on who you're playing. Course, and so, of course. I have absolutely like every single other per- people, every single other player that's playing in my position. They're all mm. very good players, and so I would have no problem if people are picked above me because I'm like, yeah, they're good. I, I get it. So mm. it's nice to also be in an environment where that is the case, and you know incredible rugby players it's, it's pretty cool that's a good mentality i say that i say that to everyone as well if mm. there's a player who plays my position who's better than me gladly start him over me mm. you know I, I say it's the same thing um in in warriors obviously i'm complete rugby, yeah, I'm talking rugby league. league yeah i'm talking league yeah but these guys are very good yeah like and i sort of embrace that they're very good because they're so that's there's so much more to learn mm. from them and, and, exactly. and, and stuff like that rather than get insecure and thinking yeah. you're not good enough because this person is so good yeah and stuff like that and some of them have so much prem experience yeah. and so much international experience and obviously i've got one year in the prem and i've never played an international game so yeah the opportunity to learn from them is super yeah. cool and also just fun, like it's fun rugby when when it's good rugby it's like yeah, not yeah, like sure. a sick offload or like the people Champagne in the right rugby, lines. Champagne rugby, jouet, You get to hit people. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, it's pretty fun. That's amazing. Um, so before we just to, before we wrap things up, unless there's anything else you want to say, Donna or Schwama? I'm not really a big. I'm not really not really. Uh, mm, don't know. I don't know if I know the difference. Go for it, mate. <laughs> you crack onto your next question. <laughs> okay, so um. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just um before so just to end on a light note um mm. what advice would you give to any young girls um aspiring to play rugby or any young girls in their sporting adventure a light note that's intense okay not a light note <laughs> but five words or less five <laughs> words or less no no say as much as um, you want or as little as you want what would i say Imagine they're, they're just there. Imagine the camera. Just a pile on the li- pressure. Yeah. Um, I would just say enjoy it. Like, mm. have fun. Enjoy it. Like, at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Like, find something that you really, really love. And if it is mm. sport, that's amazing. Yeah. And then just keep having fun with it. Like, don't stress out. Just keep enjoying it. Okay. And um, any fun facts? Uh, I got a question. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so, as rugby... And women's rugby is becoming more of a social hit now. Who would you say one of your favorite like social media players is to like follow online? I'm really bad at social media. I'm not a social media person. Um, 
good enough though because we got through to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. Um. Can I guess who it is? Sure. Is American? Yes. Alona Mon? Yes. She's <laughs> yeah. excellent. She is wonderful. She's though. very funny. And she's, she's very chill and like low-key. Oh, and I enjoy that. I, lo- I love that. She's just so like, so yeah, you know, guys, just like, it is what it is. Yeah, she's she's great. She's, she's, she's great. really cracked TikTok as well. Everyone um, loves her. If we, make, if we make it to America, that's who we're going for next. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that would be a big step up. That would be a massive <laughs> step up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so uh, episode six, off to America. There we go. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, who knows? Yeah. One day. Okay, so okay, fun fact time. Uh, you had a Halloween fact at the very start that I didn't hear from you. It's not. I I think now it's it's maybe not exciting. No. I I want to hear yours in case it's more fun. No, you, I need I need more time for this one. Okay. 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 Guess okay first. So my Halloween fact is that trick or treating yeah actually comes from Scotland and it was called guising. Guising. Yeah. What does guys? What's the word guising mean? Well, it's the act of like going around and like, so you would like knock on people's doors and then you like perform tricks, like perform jokes or sing songs and then you get treats for it. And so I did that as a kid. So trick or treating in America actually comes from like that tradition. And we didn't do any of the tricking, just like you would like knock and then you have to say a joke. And if it's funny, they'd give you treats. What if it wasn't funny? Well, luckily, (laughs) luckily, most people did. But if you like did something bad. Technically, they would be like, nah, you've not earned it. Have you got a joke that you told no, them? No, no. I mean, I do, but they're so please, bad. Please, please, please. Oh. Shoot. <laughs> okay, remember when I did it, I was like six or seven. But okay. my favorite one was like, what do you call a fat pumpkin? Ooh. What do you call a fat pumpkin? A pumpkin. <laughs> 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 told you it was bad. Oh, do you want a good one? Knock, knock. Who's the interrupting cow? Oh, no, no, nah. I'm not even doing that. <laughs> I know that one. That. <laughs> Pumpkin, though, I haven't heard that one. That's quite niche. Mm, it oh, is. That's great. Well, guys, that was pretty much it. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast or watching it. Please like, share, subscribe. Don't put the thumbs down button. Or if you want to, you can. It's mm. any, any response is a good response. <laughs> this was Fiona Cooper. That's Tarek. No. Okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, fair enough. 25th of November, we will be making a little trip to Ealing Trial Finders, hopefully to watch Fiona play. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Tarek Mustafa, Boyan Chacharic, and Fiona Cooper. That was the episode of this podcast. Safe. <laughs>